Hi, welcome to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming brought to you by The Letterbox Show. I'm Slim, she's Mia. Hello. And together we'll dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watch lists. Woo, yep, we are back. Mitchell is on assignment this week. They will make their triumphant return to Weekend Watch List next week for Morbius. <laughs> Morbius, 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 and a, and a couple others, but <laughs> Morbius. So this week, we are going to cover everything, everywhere, all at once, The Lost City, Infinite Storm, and we'll also look back to see how last week's releases fared. I don't know if you know this or not, Mia, but we're kind of big shots. Oh, yeah. We both got into advanced screenings of everything, everywhere, all at once. And there's some considerable letterboxed buzz around this movie from the Daniels, both of them. Daniel Shiner, Daniel Kwan, a.k.a. the Daniels. This is a limited theaters release for now. I think it's opening wider in just a few weeks. It's on 47,000 watch lists. And the synopsis, an aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting with the lives she could have led. Unfortunately, this sweeps her up into an even bigger adventure where she finds herself lost in the infinite worlds of the multiverse. So you saw this as a recording. I think you saw it last night or the night before, Mia? Yes, I saw it on Monday night and I loved it. It is incredible. Tell me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what the modern day action blockbuster should be. <laughs> it's like we can make we can make good versions of these things, you guys. It's so possible. <laughs> it's so possible. Um, it's it's infinitely creative and kinetic. Like there's never a dull moment. It's also laugh out loud funny. I was cracking up. And then it also doesn't overdo the meta stuff. You know, like sometimes. With meta things, um, it can get a little Deadpool-y. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you know what I'm what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And this one, it really rides that line. It, it's just it's just so much fun. I cannot recommend it enough. When I was sitting in the theater, so I saw this at the Ritz in Philadelphia. All our Philadelphia fans were here to support you. Almost 10, 15 minutes in, I thought this is one of the most chaotic movies I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. It never lets off the gas. And I couldn't even think of a recent mainstream movie that felt so insane, like almost all the time. Even the editing to the different universes and the emotional journey that you go on through throughout the entire thing, I was like exhausted by the end of this movie. Yeah, it's a it's a true trip. The visuals are wild. The choreography, like the action choreography and the kung fu and all of that is just mm-hmm. so, so impressive. And well choreographed. What did you think of the performances by the cast? Oh, I loved. I mean, we got Michelle Yeoh in there. Like, come on, <laughs> are you kidding? We got her. And then um, I had never actually seen Stephanie Shu in any films before, but like, I was watching her. She plays the daughter, mm-hmm. and I was blown away. I was like, she needs to have a huge career. She's both so she's so funny. All of her line deliveries were just like pitch perfect. And then she can also do the dramatic stuff. Like she can do it all. So I I was very, very impressed by her. I do want to also call out fans of the Indiana Jones franchise and Goonies, K. Hoi Kwan, previously Jonathan K. Kwan, who was Data in Goonies and Short Round in Indiana Jones. This This is his first role in 20 years. So I think he had a different movie come out last year, but this was the first one that he had filmed in 20 years. He had taken 20 years off from 
mainstream filmmaking and acting. And this is like his comeback role. I thought he was incredible in this movie. Yes. And I didn't even, at first I did not even recognize him as short round and data from the Goonies. And um, I think it's, it's very cool to give him such a well fleshed out and interesting role, especially because, you know, those roles of data and short round are, are stereotypes um, yeah. essentially. Like they're just kind of racist stereotypes um, <laughs> made by like totally white filmmakers. Um, so it, it's very cool to give him an actual <laughs> role. Um, yeah, and he, he did a great job. I do want to call out a review. Matt Herrera saw this at South by Southwest and tagged his review with Weekend Watchlist. I won't try and describe the magic of this film further, but I've never seen a movie with so many moments that made me laugh out loud, cry at the pain, and mostly scratch my head wondering how the F any humans could have conceived and captured what I was seeing on the screen. The one other movie that kind of compared this to like the kinetic energy of the actual editing and filmmaking was almost like Scott Pilgrim. When I first saw Scott Pilgrim in theaters and you could kind of like see what Edgar Wright was capable of, that was kind of like the similar vibe that I got when I was watching this today. Yes, particularly the the fast editing. And again, I already brought up the visuals, but yeah, the, the visuals and colors, it's just so... It's just so gorgeous. There are also, I feel like the directors are really good at combining very intelligent filmmaking with mm. uh, lowbrow humor. And I'm not knocking lowbrow humor. It makes me laugh. Um, but I really, really like that that combination of things. <laughs> it's hard to pull off. If you don't like lowbrow humor, then get out right now from this <laughs> podcast. I need you to leave. No, yeah. please don't leave if you if you don't like it. I do. I do want to bring up one more thing. Um, and yes, I know please. I won't shut up about turning red. I will not shut up about it. But um, I think again, it's cool that this is coming out. I guess around the same time because it's also everything everywhere all at once. Um, it's also talking about breaking cycles of generational trauma and bigotry, uh, particularly within the Asian American community. It's, it's a huge issue. And I've been really loving this this dearth of films that have been coming out, um, like made by children of immigrants where they grow up and they make this art that is both incredible and communicates like to their family. I love you. I respect you. I appreciate you. But like I have these boundaries and I need you to treat me mm -hmm. in this way, you know, um, and I think that that's just a really interesting conversation and I appreciate when it's brought up. So, yeah, this movie has it all. It also has heart. <laughs> um, check it out. I cannot recommend it enough. It feels amazing to have Turning Red and this movie come out so close together so that the conversation can continue on. Yes. We also have another very funny movie coming out uh, called The Lost City. Um, so this one follows a reclusive romance novelist, Sandra Bullock, who was sure nothing could be worse than getting stuck on a book tour with her cover model, Channing Tatum. <laughs> until a kidnapping attempt sweeps them both into a cutthroat jungle adventure, proving life can be so much stranger and more romantic than any of her paperback fictions. God, I feel like I was in the theater hearing that <laughs> synopsis read to me. Oh, thank you, thank you. In theaters right now from Aaron Nee, 12,000 watch lists. And if I can be honest with you, Mia, right now, Please, just the, it's just the two of us, right, in this yes, podcast studio. Be honest. I didn't think anything of this movie when I saw the poster come out. I was like, "Oh, this looks like a you know a rom com cash in almost." But I feel like people are digging this movie. It the the early reviews that are coming out now, they're having a lot of fun. Mikey P tagged his review: "Consciously embrace rom com adventure tropes while making something new 
Channing's ass is detrimental to everyone's self-worth. <gasps> what more do we need? What, what, what are you hearing need? about the lost city and, and these two? What am I hearing? Well, you know, I'm biased. My buddy, Demi Adijawebe, who's also a litter box darling, um, he did punch up the script. Unreal. <laughs> I know, right? He's so funny. So I'm excited to see it um, because I feel like the team is just talented and creative. Also, Patty Harrison is in it. She's hilarious. <laughs> She's so funny. You might recognize her from I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Mm -hmm. So, and she's in the film. I can't wait to see that. And also, you know, I just feel like we are in a very severe rom-com drought. Yeah. I mean, I've been trying to think about the last rom-com that I that I loved. And I mean, it's it's Phantom Thread, which isn't even a traditional <laughs> rom-com in the slightest. <laughs> Should like, we have doubted Sandra Bullock? This is, I mean, I think she said she's kind of like taking a mini break after this, but yes. she's back. Should we have doubted her at all at this point? She's a rom-com queen. She's rom-com royalty. You can't even deny that. I mean, mm -hmm. she, <laughs> one of my guilty pleasures is two weeks notice because I have Hugh Grant disease. And, um, I've seen that like a billion times. She's so great in it. She's so great in a lot of rom-coms. She made Ryan Reynolds watchable in the proposal. Yeah. I won't even give him credit. I'm going to give her the credit. Uh, when will they find a cure for Hugh Grant disease? Is there any cure in sight? It's terminal. I, it's genetic. <laughs> it's hereditary. I, there's nothing we can do about it, but yeah, she, I mean, I trust her. And I trust Channing. He's funny. Mm -hmm. He's very yeah. funny. The 22, 22 and 21 Jump Street, he's just hilarious. So I think that the leads are talented. We talked about this in your four favorites episode. What was the letterbox list that you had? Like greatest movies ever made. <laughs> yes. Uh, and 21 Jump Street was on there. 22 Jump like Street, to be precise. 22 Jump Street, to be clear. Yes. I feel like, remember there was like a period of time where there were rumors that there was going to be a, a sequel to yes. 22 Jump Street and it was going to be like a Men in Black, Men in Black 22 thing. Jump Street sequel and then it didn't happen. Oh my God. We have I to go back. I would watch that. I know. We do have to go Absolutely. back and go to that multiverse. So I'm excited for it. Haven't been able to see Lost City, but I will be there. Maybe it's time for a date night. Maybe it's time. <gasps> Maybe the Lost City is the key for everyone it's listening true. as well. I'm single and looking, folks. <laughs> I'll put it out there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Next on our list, another new release called Infinite Storm. This is uh, not on a ton of watch lists right now. It's on 530 watch lists. It's from Mikkel Englert and Malgorzata Juvamovska. Uh, the synopsis this is starring Naomi Watts, by the way. Synopsis, one woman's journey for self-discovery turns into a harrowing tale of survival. Based on a true story of a real-life rescue mission from 2010, Pam Bales set out on a familiar path on the top of Mount Washington, but she encounters someone up there that didn't really have any intention of coming down the mountain. And it's about their journey together. So I think we both saw this. This this one for me hits in the sweet spot of three and a half stars. I love Naomi Watts. I feel like there's not enough Naomi Watts movies. No, I agree. I also love Naomi Watts. She's so talented. I mean, Mulholland Drive, come on. It's like a masterclass performance. But yeah, I feel like the last thing that she was in that had big buzz and critical acclaim was the Twin Peaks, the return, um, mm. which was a couple of years ago. You know, I'm, I'm happy when she's cast as a lead. She's, she's incredible. And I want to see more of her. Yeah. This, this had beautiful cinematography. This is one of those kind of like uplifting, find strength in yourself to survive after going through some sorts of trauma for multiple viewers. First of all, I would never go up on a mountain by myself. No, I don't care how talented these people are. One false move, you're dead, Mia, up on that yeah. mountain. You oh, go through yeah. a hole, it's game over. It, I would be gone in a second. There's not even a chance of survival for me. 
Um, so maybe that's why it didn't quite <laughs> resonate with me um, a ton. But again, yes, I totally agree. The, the cinematography is beautiful. If you love mm. mountains and snow, I think my number. I think my number one Naomi Watts movie might be The Ring. <gasps> Stop. I love The Ring. Are you kidding me? Remember The Ring? Gosh, such a great visual snap to that movie. The green hues. It feels very timeless, The Ring. The Ring was my first scary horror movie when I was like eight and it traumatized me. I was way too young to be watching I mean, remember the quick shot of the closet opening and the babysitter? Stop. That's what got me. Stop it. It was so scary. It was so scary. I had nightmares for years. No exaggeration. take a quick look back to last week's movies and see how things are shaken out. Uh, if you want your review or list potentially featured on an upcoming episode of Weekend Watchlist, just add the tag hashtag Weekend Watchlist. So we usually in this segment will spotlight maybe two things from the previous week that we wanted to call out. And Mitchell, uh, who we mentioned is on assignment this week, Mitchell, Mitchell watched Deep Water. I missed Mitchell's review last week from uh, the Adrian line last week that dropped on Hulu. I just want to call out a shocking rating average on Letterboxd right now. 2.4 for Deep Water for Ben Affleck and Anna Armas. Still on 23,000 watch list, but Mitchell really enjoyed it. Actually, I enjoyed it too. I gave it three and a half stars. Mitchell writes on Letterboxd, in 2022, it's a true gift seeing a film so unafraid of being as lurid, provocative, and unabashedly horny as deep water. Perhaps it took a seemingly retired master of the genre to resurrect the erotic thriller. And hopefully this somewhat buried release won't cause people to miss it. So I, I watched it too. Uh, my wife left the room after about 10 minutes after I put it on, but I enjoyed it. I had, I had some fun. And and to be honest, I kind of had forgotten uh, the director, Adrian. I mean, they have done the big ones, fatal attraction, Lolita, Flashdance, Indecent Proposal, Unfaithful, Nine and a Half Weeks. So their catalog of films, it's like right up there for horny cinema. Yeah, I'm going to have to check this one out as <laughs> as a purveyor of horny cinema. Um, <laughs> I think I'll be having to check out Deep Water um, and I will give my thoughts. Give me a week, you guys. Give me a week. <laughs> yes. One other review to spotlight for Deep Water, uh, Anna Gould, unequivocally a mess, but trashy fun. Ben's giving his, quote, mysterious nothing, but still looking like a snack. Anna wears more backless dresses than you'd expect a person to own. <laughs> See, is it not enough to just watch hot people be hot on the movie screen? <laughs> That's true. What? We don't need an excuse to watch movies like Deep Water. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Hulu. Thank you, Hulu. <laughs> Thank you, Hulu. <laughs> What's something that you wanted to spotlight from the last week? Um, So this is a little unconventional because this film didn't really come out last week, but it did come out in 2021. Um, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy by Ryosuke Hamaguchi, who also directed Drive My Car. Um, I just got to see a screening of this with a Q&A with the director himself, and I loved this film. I think it's another masterpiece. Like the fact that he came out with two masterpieces in the same year is is just wild. So what's the, what's the pitch for this movie? Because maybe some people have heard of Drive My Car from this podcast. Maybe they yes. watched Drive My Car. So how would you position this movie for them? Well, first, I'll just read the little synopsis of it, just, just in case um, you're not aware. It is, um, it's an anthology. So it's three different stories. Um, and here's a synopsis. 
an unexpected love triangle, a failed seduction trap, and an encounter that results from a misunderstanding are the three episodes, told in three movements to depict three female characters and trace the trajectories between their choices and regrets. So, it's um, kind of similar to, uh, like, Magnolia in the sense that it's a lot of it is about little coincidences and little happenings that all kind of add up. And it's it's similar to Drive My Car in the sense that it's very dialogue heavy, very literary, um, mm. and and just very intelligent. Such a smart, smart film. Um, and it's got laughs. Like I almost I think that both laughs. this and Drive My Car are are both great, like similar levels, but I enjoyed Wheel of Fortune just a tiny bit more because I love to laugh. <laughs> and um the theater was cracking up. Like it's it's a comedy too. Yes, I highly recommend, especially if you enjoy Drive My Car. You might have even said this. You like this more than Drive My Car. Is that a quote? Can we make yes, that you can, uh, declaration you can on this me. podcast? Yes. <laughs> I, I will go on the record and say that I do. I do prefer it just a little bit more. Um, okay. This is 4.0 on Letterboxd right now, and it's on 35,000 watch lists and 145 fans currently, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. You know, I've seen some people saying like, oh, people who who liked Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy overdrive my car really want to let you know that they preferred that to drive my car. And it's like, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's gotten a fraction of the praise and attention that Drive My mm -hmm. Car got. Nobody, not nobody, but not a lot of people know about this film, um, even though it it deserves mountains of praise. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to hype it up because you should go see it. Only 20K watches on Letterboxd. Drive My Car is 120K. And again, I don't want to pit them against each other. They're both incredible films. But, you know, I, I just want to spotlight Wheel of Fortune Fantasy. This is what we're here for. This yes. is we're trying to help people grow their watch list. <laughs> yeah. And and watch them over the weekend. So hopefully maybe people will do just that, judging from the buzz. Yes. Last week's other big release was X from Ty West that we talked about, and some of our friends tagged their reviews with weekend watch list. So I do want to spotlight that. Uh, X is settling currently at a 3.8. On Letterboxd, 81,000 watch lists. It doubled since last week. Holy smokes. Nick, there's a refreshing confidence to this kind of we know you know something's going to happen storytelling that you don't often see in horror movies right now. And I think it's because Wes knows you'll never be able to guess what that something is. The violence and gore is surprising and appropriately cathartic, making a great theater experience with a packed house. Heard more than a couple mentions of what is this movie? Question mark. So that, one's, that one comes from Nick. And uh, one other one to spotlight from Arino. Gnarly and horny and gory and funny. Feels like a good mix of throwback horror and modern horror, but definitely leaning more towards the former. Kid Cuddy rules. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough. We should go look at the Letterbox Top 50 of 2022. Updated weekly, the Jack puts together... Uh, it's a brand new li list that will help influence the end of year list. So if you want to see what's trending on Letterboxd this week, what can possibly beat out the Beatles rooftop concert? Will anything beat out the Beatles rooftop concert this year? Who knows? But let's see what Jack has spotlighted. Number two, which we talked about earlier in the show, everything, everywhere, all at once is averaged at 4.4, which uh, if it holds even close to that, and it tops 5,000 views by next week, it would put it in the all-time top 50, Mia. Ooh, whoa. We're onto something with this buzz. Yes, it's all well-deserved buzz. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the next call out has got to be for X, which we just spoke about. Uh, A24, uh, they're adding another acclaimed horror notch in their belt. It enters at number 15 and becomes the highest rated horror film of the year so far, beating out Fresh. Your favorite, previous favorite of the year, Fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. Stop. So Fresh (laughs) is out. And X is in. So the people yep. have spoken this week. So that's what's trending. Okay. So we've got some buzz. Tell your friends. You can be you can be the 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 one in the know with all these facts. And last week we did we tried something new where we went to shuffle our watch list and we picked a movie. And I know uh since Mitchell's on assignment, you have not been able to watch scanners, but I did watch Wolf Guy. <gasps> Spill. I, that was that was <laughs> That was the movie that I shuffled into. And Sonny Chiba, I couldn't keep my eyes off him. That guy has got some moves. The soundtrack to this movie, it made me want to just dance around the room. Maybe I'll loop it in here just to give you a taste of the Wolf Guy soundtrack. But he doesn't turn into a wolf. Spoilers. He just kind of has like wolf-esque capabilities. So that was kind of like a a shocker to me. I mean, he has like Wolverine-ish hair, Sonny, in this movie. So that kind of like makes him wolf-ish. Uh, but I had a great time watching it. And then uh, next week, we'll see what Mitchell gets when we shuffle their watch list on Weekend Watch List. I have to ask a question about Wolf Guy. So he's not a werewolf. Not quite. I mean, okay. he never fully transforms, but he can kind of like move quick as he gets closer to the lunar time period. It's, it's, uh, it's not technically a werewolf movie, but he's okay. just like hairy. He's hairier than your average Joe. (laughs) So he's like half werewolf, maybe. I think he's technically considered a a lycanthrope. Oh, yes. The technical term. Yes. If we want to get technical so no one yells at us in Apple reviews, he's a lycanthrope, lycanthrope, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, So hopefully in two weeks from now, we'll be able to hear your thoughts on the scanners. I can definitely watch scanners in two weeks. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. this is- <laughs> It'll be easy. It'll be easy. I'll just do it. You're t- mentally talking yourself into being able to watch Scanners in two weeks. No, I know. I'm sounding like I'm not so excited for it. I'm super excited to watch Scanners. <laughs> for listening to Weekend Watchlist brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. You can follow Slim Mia, that's me, and our HQ page on Letterboxd using the links in our episode notes. Thanks to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Walton for the theme music, Eyes On. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript. And to you for listening. Weekend Watchlist is a Tape Deck production. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Mm-hmm.